Welcome to the Quilting Arts Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of contemporary art quilting. I'm Susan Brubaker Knapp, and I'm here with Vivica Hansen Denegri. Hey, Vivica. Hi, Susan. How are you doing? Good. It's been a while since we've chatted. It has. Yeah, lots going on. In the last uh, couple of weeks, I've actually brought my children, my two youngest, to college. Ugh, and Crazy. You know, so are you an empty nester now? Yeah, for the next 45 minutes, I figure <laughs> I won't have children at home. Who knows? You know, there's so many, so many questions with what's going on with COVID and everything, especially with college kids. So my, my uh, junior in college is just so happy to be back with his friends. And my freshman called me at 11 o'clock the other night and said he's having a blast. So good oh, things. That's good, except not too much fun, because then you'll end up with a kid back like my daughter had to come back in quarantine for a while. Mm, that's so, right. Yep. So you want them to have fun, but not too much fun at this point. <laughs> my understanding, though, is your daughter didn't need no. to quarantine because she was having fun. No, no, it was not her fault at all. She just got contaminated and she did have COVID, but she had a very mild case. Um, she's doing a lot better. So. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Six out of seven kids in her house ended up with it. You know, it's like, it's like a bad secret. You never tell a bad <laughs> secret because it will get out. It's just like a bad secret. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Susan. I hope she gets better soon and that, you know, you and your husband stay safe as well. Right. We're trying to. We all just have to keep doing the best we can, right? Well, absolutely. That's all you can do. Yep. You know, our family motto is we soldier on. My husband has always said that, and it's never more uh, apropos than right now. That's right. We all have to just keep doing things and, and pivoting and changing our course. That's just That's just how we're living right now. Yeah. And who would have known like six or eight months ago, actually, probably six months ago, we might have had an inkling, but eight months ago or, you know, in the beginning of the year, who would have known that all of these things would be just so different? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right now I'm looking at you on a Zoom call, which I'm so happy about. I love seeing smiling faces near me <laughs> that don't have a mask on because that mask is basically a layer between me and you. Yes, it's hard, isn't it? I heard that dogs are having a really hard time with it because they can't read facial expressions at all. And apparently they do that a lot. Well, that's sad. I, I, know. I never heard that. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I, I read, I'll have to dig out where I read it, but they said that a lot of dogs are very confused right now. Well, I, my dogs always <laughs> looked a little bit confused anyway. They weren't the smartest pooches in the pack. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> As long as they're lovable, it's that's the important thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But that, you know, it, when we were doing the themes for this particular episode of the podcast and we talked about having a podcast about layering mm -hmm. and about how important layers are with art, I just felt like, you know, you can't help but talk about that additional layer that we all have between us right now, which is a sad layer. And I can't wait until that layer is removed entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's changed things in um, and sometimes in good ways and sometimes in bad ways, you know. It really has made a difference in the way we communicate and the way we show affection. You know, I can't wait to hug my daughter. <laughs> right. I know that physical hugging, but also it's it's interesting that our eyes can tell us so much. Or I can look at your eyes when you have a mask on and I can see you smile through your eyes too. So I think that's, that's a, a nice thing, you know, that at least we don't have our eyes covered. Mine, of course, are covered by glasses. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most expressive part. And it, it is amazing how much you can tell. I mean, even with mm -hmm. communicating with like 
at the grocery store with the the checkout people, um, what you're able to kind of convey to them. It's a, it really is interesting. Right. Just through, just through your facial expression. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a really cool thing. So, um, today, one thing that we're going to be talking about with our artist in residence is layering and how important it is in our artwork that we add layers and we add just different kinds of of imagery to artwork that we're creating. We're going to be speaking with an artist in residence today, Lynn Coolish, and she'll be discussing her process and how she works. And I'm just before we start that, I was just curious, do you see your work as incorporating multiple layers? And I'm not talking about the back of the quilt, the batting and the top. I'm talking about on the top of your artwork, because I know that you don't just work um, in quilts as well. You also work in paper and you draw and all of that. You know, I really don't think I do it that much. And so I'm very curious to hear her thoughts on it and about her processes. I love her work. Um, But no, I, you know, I usually am reproducing something either realistically. I have been working on some pieces lately that are more abstract, that have some hand embroidery. I just finished a piece that, um, features these little silk sari balls that I sh- I talked about on Quilting Arts TV 2600 series 2600 and I made a piece that incorporates them that's three dimensional and I don't think I've ever made a really three dimensional piece before so I may be venturing into working in layers more than I ever have before or maybe it's just a little side thing we'll see yeah yeah so one thing I've been doing is exploring some more paperwork recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I, I am like a little dog, come to think of it, I am always distracted by whatever's new or <laughs> squirrel, whatever's squirrel. come through. Yes, exactly. Whatever's come my way. So I've been doing some um, some work with paper and realized how much I love layering. Hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot with oil paint sticks and rubbings and transparent uh, layers that I put over things. And so it's going to be really interesting to to talk with Lynn about um, her particular work and her focus recently. So, you know, those layers add so much um, complexity. Mm-hmm. So I love looking at the details in pieces that have that kind of layering. Well, I can't wait to get started with Lynn. I think it's a perfect time to take a very quick break and then introduce our artist in residence. Great. As artists, we know the value of creating images with depth and dimension. The process of creating that depth can be achieved by layering, whether it's physically overlapping images, layers of paint, stitching, or even layers of themes. Today's artist-in-residence, Lynn Coolish, has mastered the art of layering imagery in her work. Lynn is a fiber artist, she's a teacher, and also an author. She's most known for her bright colors and hand-dyed fabric. She makes mixed media work and also art quilts. She teaches locally in the San Francisco Bay Area and nationally at venues including the International Quilt Festival Houston and Quilters Affair in Sisters, Oregon. Lynn has written and co-written five books including Fast, Fun, and Easy Fabric Dyeing, The Wonderful Colorful Wonder Wheel of Color with Carrie Graham and Mary Ruck, Innovative Fabric Imagery for Quilts with Cindy Reimer, and More Photo Fun, with Hewlett Packard Company and Cindy Reimer. She also has a DVD, Lynn Coolish Teaches You Printing on Fabric. 
Welcome, Lynn. Hi. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So this is a, um, a subject that, as I was saying before, I don't use much layering and um, that kind of imagery in my quilts. Tell me why you're so interested in it. What drew you to, to using that in your work? I think what started it was I love taking photographs and I wanted to be able to use photographs in my work, but I didn't just want to print them out. And so um, fortunately, Vivica, as you mentioned, I've I've worked on a couple of books that involve printing on fabric and through that process started to learn more about Photoshop and a lot of other technical things that gave me tools to be able to, uh, I'm going to call it, mess around with my uh, images and do more things with them. So, you know, you mentioned Photoshop because I think this is so important and when I started playing with Photoshop, because I've never really taken a class, the first thing I learned about was this, this concept of layers. And now I am so totally hooked. Because if, if you've never worked on Photoshop before, and I am by no means a master, I'm the master of changing the size of an image. I can do that like in my <laughs> sleep. But I'm not a master of, of this layering technique. But with Photoshop, what you can do is you can take elements of an image or or things like a filter or something and fool around with it on one layer and you can move that layer beneath another layer or on top of another layer you can make it more transparent you can make it more opaque all of these things so photographers who use digital photography have been playing with layers in this amazing program for a number of years but i think you know as our quilters, we're sometimes working in Photoshop and then printing onto our fabric or whatever, but we can use layers very, very differently. It's really cool. Well, I think yeah. I uh, what I like about Photoshop, well, there are a couple of things. One is there's this really cool feature called blending modes. And it's available in like Photoshop, Photoshop Elements, and a lot of the um, art and drawing programs on an iPad also have layers and blending modes and what that allows you to do is to really start to tweak your images because it's not only a matter of adding a filter or changing the opacity what i love to do is i is is combining different photographs in layers and then using the blending modes and the layers start to interact with each other in in ways that can be just totally surprising you know, when I use blending modes, I have a good idea what each one does, but until you actually see the specifics of the photos you're using, you don't know what you've got until you do it. And so it's just a great way to really take your photos one step beyond. One thing I think that's nice about working in Photoshop too is that you can undo things. So, you know, if you've got layers that you want to take away completely, or you want to maybe set aside and consider later, or you want to make less obvious or more obvious, you can do all those things digitally. When you're creating layers, um, you know, maybe you've got a layer of organza or lutridor or paint or whatever it is, if you're doing it physically, in real life with real materials and not digitally, it's totally different, right? It's it's different, but there are, I want to say, similarities. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things that I've done using, um, uh, using TAP, the transfer artist paper, and transferring onto shears and then layering the shears, it's also a look that I can't get in 
Photoshop as easily because of the character of the fabric and the sheer. And uh, it's like I can create a, I can take a photograph and I can use a filter to create a line drawing out of it. Now in Photoshop, that line drawing is going to pretty much have a white background and getting rid of that white background and leaving the lines is pretty challenging. But I can print it out on tap, transfer it onto a shear, and have and have an almost clear background because the tap is transparent and the background doesn't show through. So let's just take a minute and describe what tap is because this is a product that has been around for an awful long time. It was created by Leslie Riley. And a couple of years ago, it was really, really impossible to find. They weren't able to produce it anymore, but it has come back in a sort of new and improved kind of um, fashion. But it's it's such an exciting product because it is so versatile. So, Lynn, I know you've worked with it extensively. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is and what makes it special? Technically, what TAP is, it's a transparent polymer that's been applied to a backing sheet. So is a polymer something like when you're using polymer clay? Basically, it's kind of a plastic. It's like a chemical formulation. It's a chemical formulation, and I think polymers technically are, are, are types of plastic. And I think polymer clay, same mm -hmm. thing, it's a plastic. And so with the tap, it comes on 8.5 by 11 sheets. You can run it through an inkjet printer. So anything that you can print on paper, you can print on tap. You can also draw on tap, paint on it use pretty much any kind of art material on the tap as long as you're you don't scratch into it. Right. So you're painting you're painting onto the polymer side of this piece of paper. Correct. You can Oh I've never done that. Okay. Now I want to run out and grab my tap and start working. <laughs> or you're printing onto that side of the paper. You're not printing on Correct. the paper. You're printing on the polymer side. So what happens is then when you flip it over onto a piece of fabric and iron it, whatever whatever you've printed or drawn or painted on the polymer gets encapsulated into the polymer and becomes permanent. And it's washable and you it's can... It's washable. Um, and what's cool about it, I've had people say, well, why don't you just print directly on fabric? And the answer is you can, but one of the reasons I like the tap, there's two reasons I like the tap. One is that you can get a crisper image when you print on fabric, because fabric is porous, you do get a slightly softer image most of the time. I can get a crisper image using a tap transfer. The other thing I can do is, because the, the tap is transparent, I can layer tap images. So, you know, when we did the Quilting Arts TV episode, you know, I have an image of lilies, but I wanted more lilies. So I could just print out more lilies on the tap, cut them out, and then transfer them on top of what I'd already done. So what I loved about that whole thing of doing that is you're basically acting like your Photoshop. You're printing out several different layers. You can, you can, uh, you know, if you did like nine different printouts, say, you could do, basically, you could do a, a line layer, you could do a colored layer, you yeah. can, you can trim around it and stick it in there. And so you're doing an analog version of what you get to do in a program like Procreate or like Photoshop. And that's, that's fascinating. In a sense, yes. 
But like I said, there's just, there's subtle differences that you get depending on what you're transferring onto. And because, mm -hmm. for example, when I was transferring onto shears, you get the texture and the, the shears are not totally sheer. They're not completely see-through. Right. Some of them have like a sparkle or, or just this gauziness. Yes, a gauziness. That's a good word. And that you... Diaphanous. Yes. And you get that, and which you don't get in something like Photoshop. So which is why layering, you know, physically with the tap gives you something that you can't get in Photoshop. One of the other things you can do is I can print on the tap and then I can go back in on top of what I printed and do watercolors or pencils or add, add another layer of color or texture before I transfer it. If you don't remember this, I'm going to actually stick a edited video of Quilting Arts TV with Lynn on it from our 2600 series. I'm going to put that on our show notes because I think this is important that people can actually see this. So the, what Lynn is talking about is she she was able to brighten an image. And the reason that she can do that is because the actual polymer is transparent. So she printed the image and then she painted over that colored side of the printing with white paint. And because the white paint is opaque, when you turn the tap over and iron it in place, you get a bright image and on top of an image that's a little bit more dull. So it's really sort of cool. That's one thing you can do. And so basically, because the tap is transparent without that white paint, you would see the background through whatever I was transferring on top. So it's almost like you're masking. You're masking the background. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you can also just, so also in that episode, I had one, uh, one part of one of the pieces was just a line drawing that I went in with watercolor just because I wanted that loose watercolor kind of color. And doing that before I transferred it allows me to do the transfer, but because it's watercolor, it would not have been permanent if I just painted on the fabric, but because it gets encapsulated by the tap, it becomes permanent. Right. So that's one way that you add layers. You know, it's sort of funny, Susan, you were saying that you don't add layers, but when I look at your work, I see layers all over the place. And Really? Yeah, because oftentimes you start with white. You start mm -hmm. with a white piece of fabric and then you do a drawing and then you color in with ink or with some sort of a fabric paint and then you do thread painting and then you do hand stitching. Yeah. And That's layers. That's true. That's layers. I guess I'm not thinking about layering the imagery though. I'm adding texture and color, but not really a lot of like your work, Lynn, has imagery that's layered too. It does, but I think when you're thinking about layers, you're saying you're not talking about the batting, the backing, and the quilt top, but just on the quilt top, when you think about you've got, you know, piecing and then quilting, those are those are layers. You're adding yeah. Yeah. um you have the ability to add another complete design. Or image. You know, one thing that occurs to me is I very often get asked, well, why you paint so, so beautifully, why don't you just paint on canvas? And I always say, because it's not nearly as interesting, the final effect with the layers of thread and paint, and then the, the dimension that you get when you add the quilting with some parts poofing out a little yeah. bit more and some parts going down in all of those things are so interesting to me and so tactile and I couldn't get that if I were just painting on canvas exactly so maybe I'm I'm dealing with layers even though I'm not thinking I am I mean 
I'm looking at the piece of art behind you that I know you've posted on Instagram. And if that's not layers, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you talking uh, about? I think I've got a couple pinned the, up back the, there. The one, okay. the one with the, the chartreuse background and those were your silk balls and then the, the, right. the red on top. Yeah. With kind of, that's the one I was talking about that's very three-dimensional right. that I've never really done. Yeah. layers, you know, yeah. and you've got holes yep. cut in the top layer so you're seeing through. So that's that's definitely layers. Yeah. And I, I actually used uh, fast to fuse inside both of those layers so that they had enough structure because they had to be able to support um, the weight of the balls and some of those other things. So that was a good solution for that particular piece. And I don't work with it that often, but I, I had it in my stash. So I, <laughs> I knew I could pull it out there and use it. What is fast to fuse? It's a double-sided stiff fusible interfacing. Double-sided meaning it's got it's got fusible on both sides. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Think about I mean in a most basic sense think about the brim of a ball cap. Something like fast diffuses inside there. And what's cool about the fast diffuse is that you can fuse your fabric on both sides of it, and it provides great stability. Like you say, Susan, for you know three-dimensional things. Um, I think. CNT first came out with it when, um, do you remember the, the fabric vases and the fabric bowls? Right. Oh, yes. So it was yes. perfect for that because it provided the stability that you needed to keep the shape, but you could fuse on both sides of it. Right. So it's great for something 3D. Yep. Or even. Purses and handbags. Yeah. That, or even art quilts where you where you want to do a lot of stitching or, or work on it and you just need something really sturdy to support everything. It's very stable. Yes. I mean, I've even done a little bit of uh, machine felting on it hmm. just because it provides a really good stable background. That's interesting. Let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back. You get to work with so many cool materials and I think I've played with most of them. Um, but like, I know spun bond and multex and craft techs and all these cool silk products. Lutrador. Oh, I love Lutrador. Ultralight Lutrador, which I think is harder to find now. And how many weights of Lutrador are there? Are there three that are common, easy to get? Yes. There's the really ultra light weight. There's a mid weight and then there's a heavy weight. It's so funny that you say this because I couldn't find it the last time I was looking for it. And my kid had just bought a pair of like Nikes or something. And I opened up the box and there is spun polyester. Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just <laughs> yep. like, it wasn't just like it, but it was very similar. So, you know, some of these found pieces of fiber, you know, can also be a really cool substrate. Just flip your sofa over. I think they oftentimes use Lutrador underneath. Oh, wait. So I can cut that part out? My husband would kill me. My husband would kill me. <laughs> I think that's where it first came from. The other place I've seen something similar, sometimes when you buy flowers and there's like a colorful sheet, mm -hmm. that that's also often a spun polyester. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, no. Now I, now I have an excuse to go buy myself flowers. Yeah. Sometimes you just get that clear cellophane, but sometimes you get that color. I, a couple of times I've gotten a color, color in the background, and of course, yes, I save those. Yeah, and then there's mylar balloons too. I always, you know, I've, I've experimented with mylar too, which is fun. Which is way better than putting them in the trash or or whatever because they kill the animals. So mylar and Tyvek and all those fun things. 
one of the things you didn't mention was that I worked at CNT Publishing for almost 20 years, primarily as an editor. But one of the fun things about working there is that we also developed some products, um, including one called Artful Fiber. And that was the canvas bag that was full of fun fibers. So it included the Luchador, the Spun Bond, the Maltex, and all those things. That was another opportunity to really play around with layering because a lot of them are transparent. And so one of the classes that I've been teaching for quite a while is taking that artful fiber kit and either using things as is and playing with how can you layer these different materials and take advantage of the different textures and the slight variations in colors. Or the one that I really like is we spend the morning painting a lot of those fibers and then playing with collaging and layering. And that's um, really where you get to play with uh, transparent versus translucent versus opaque and see how they all interact. So so what you're really talking about is having a bunch of different substrates in your studio, like at all times, so you can just attack them and play with them and do something fun. But um, can you tell me the difference between those three terms, opacity, transparency, and what was it, translucency? Yes, yeah, so something that's transparent is, com is almost completely clear and you can see completely through it. Something that's translucent um, it's kind of like a curtain shear. Most curtain shears are translucent. So transparent would be like a piece of clear acrylic or, you know, uh, uh, vinyl, clear vinyl. Translucent would be like a curtain shear where you can see through it, but not completely. And opaque is where you can't see through it at all. You know, I have a funny thing. I always tell my students when we're in the painting class is the difference between opaque paint and transparent paint is like the difference between tights and pantyhose. I yes. was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so that's what helps people understand that. You know, like if you put your pantyhose on, you can still see the mosquito bite through, right? That's right. If you put the tights on, you can't see anything. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> it. And I think when you're talking about layers, it's being able to play with, you know, the transparent, the translucent, and the opaque, that starts to give you a ton of options. But it also creates depth. Yes. And to me, that's that's what is so interesting because, you know, one thing I like about using a lot of different layers and having, say, printing the same image out on something that's transparent, translucent, and opaque is that if you it's the same thing you do in Photoshop. If you take the transparent one and put it on top of the opaque one, you get a very different look than if you put the translucent one on top of the transparent one. So you can, yes. you can change the order of the layers and it creates a different kind of depth and you can darken some of the layers and some of the lines. Like, you know, my favorite tool is a Sharpie. So I can go in and darken something and not have to, um, you know, paint it and wait for it to dry and that kind of thing. But you can really alter that and it creates different kinds of depth and different kinds of, of um, effects. And someone who does this sort of interesting, an interesting way with this is Wen Redmond. Mm. 
Are you familiar with her work? I happen to edit her book. Yes, I love her work. I love her work. Okay, that was not a setup, but I I sort of thought you No, would. I love I love her work. I agree. What she'll do too is like she'll take an image of a tree and clear out most of the image in the background and she'll print it out on two different um, substrates. And then she will slightly either separate them mm-hmm. or move them. So she doesn't yep. layer them on top of one another like with precision and it creates just this eerie and beautiful effect. Some of her stuff, you almost get a, a holographic effect. She's also just combining lots of different imagery and lots of different texture. The other artist whose work I really like, and I'm not sure what she's doing right now, is Charlotte Zebarth. Mm. Yes. But she also, yes, and she did a book with CNT that I edited, and that's where I really learned how to use blending modes and how those work. But she does also does a lot of work of layering and Photoshop and just beautiful results. So tell me about what does her artwork look like? She's mostly using a lot of what I remember is trees, but again, superimpose using layers and superimp- superimposing different versions of the same photograph and, and using the blending mode so that they interact and create these, you know, secondary and tertiary patterns. And sometimes she's she does things like where she shifts the color and she shifts pieces of yes. uh, yeah. different fibers and puts them, you know, tr- sort of butts them together to make really, really interesting textures in her, in her work. Very beautiful. Yeah. I think she might even be in your area, Susan. She might be from that part of the country. Yeah. I'm going to have to maybe look her up. But some of her work too is digital. Oh, a lot. Yeah. A lot of her work is digital. So you can do it digitally and you can do it analog. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the, the thought process of layers is I find very helpful in most of what I do, even if I'm Oh, there was a there was a piece I did a while back, and it's 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 a it's pieced, and I got the thing up on the wall, and I went, well, that's nice, but it's really boring, and so it's like, well, what does it need? And thinking about it, it needed another layer of another design that complemented what was up there, and so again, um, just thinking of adding things on top of other things to you know create contrast, to create depth, to create interest can can work in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Charlotte um, lives out in Boulder, Colorado. I think you're right. That sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but if you look her up, like I said, I'm not sure exactly if she's what work she's doing now. Um, but I've her work has always just been beautiful. Well, do you think that working with layers and transparency helps you to be more creative in a way because you kind of have to experiment to see what effects you're going to get before you lock everything down, right? Yes. And we, we talked about it a little bit on the Quilting Arts TV show is it's it's starting small and making little, you know, doing little studies. And before you commit to making a huge piece and feeling like you're committing a lot of time and materials, is just start small and try stuff out and, you know, see what your options are. I know so many teachers have said it. And it's the thing that I say all the time, which is make visual decisions visually. What do you mean by that? Meaning don't try and think about what something's going to look like. Put it up on the wall and look at it. And that might mean, you know, you're doing a small little, you know, four inch study, but you're still actually doing it and seeing what it looks like rather than trying to conceptualize in your head what it might look like. That probably helps a lot with students who tend to overthink, which is one of the main issues I encounter as a teacher. Yes. Um, People think if they 
think about it and try to decide and go over it and over and over in their head that it's going to end up right. And it doesn't. It's doing it that gets you yep. to the finished result. It's doing it and seeing it. Yep. Exactly. I think I'll, a lot of us work so intuitively and we don't trust ourselves in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, is, you know, the experience of trusting yourself and realizing that, you know, you might not know the rule of thirds, but you use it all the time. And when you see it, you go, yeah, that's it. You know, and, it, and it's putting something up and saying, you know, moving something over an inch going, okay, now it's right before it wasn't. And even if you can't articulate exactly what you did or why yet, um, being able to put things up and look at them, I think is key. So do you keep all these, these little samples, uh, the experiments that you that you do so that you have an idea next time? Like, do you have a big bin or scrapbook of them? <laughs> sometimes if I like them, I keep them. If I don't like them, I, sometimes I throw them away. Sometimes I just turn them into something else. Um, what I do have a big bin of, I call them postcards, postcard scraps, mm -hmm. you know, things that to make I the art postcards to make art, art postcards. You know, if you don't like it big, you can always cut it up and turn it into something you like better small. Uh, you know, my guild, has them at the quilt show up in sisters at quilters affair you know they auction off teachers postcards so there's always there's always places to use them you know you can make it a little bit bigger and make it a sakwa auction piece there's always things to do <laughs> that's right that sakwa auction is coming it right is. up I, I just think that's wonderful that you do that and you know a lot of the stuff that i'm doing with layering with paints and stuff like that i am i am layering on top of printed material already so i like when i'm working with paper i'm often working with distressed book pages yes and i promise you i am not defacing and defiling any book that that is worth keeping so i go to my library bookcase it's either in a language that i don't understand or visually it is so beautiful it just needs to be uh, all these pages that have been closed for so long need to be opened up and seen. And, and um, you know, I sort of feel that way about fabric, too. You don't have to paint on white fabric. You don't have to layer on white fabric. A lot of these prints make an amazing, amazing addition to your artwork. Well, then you've been working. I've, I've seen your alphabet. That's all. Is that all paper? Oh, Vivica, that is beautiful. Thank you. So that was just a fun little experiment in a sleepless night, or should I say a sleepless morning when I got up at 3am. But I took a lot of these papers that I had either done um, jelly print plate uh, printing on or rubbings and, you know, all of the all of those techniques. And I started cutting them up because they've just been sitting in my pile for a long time. And the person who had encouraged me to do this long ago was Libby Williamson, because, you know, she does this with papers a lot, but she also works with fabric. So I have the stack of fabrics that I've done this way. And I have the stack of papers that I've done this way. And uh, that particular collage, I'll put a picture of it um, on our show notes. But that collage was just fun because it was all free form. It was, you know, think about the alphabet and cut it out and see if you can arrange it so it fits on a piece of paper. And that was actually the challenge because, you know, First of all, I don't, I don't ever, you know, think about things that way. But to make it all fit, twenty-six letters on a piece of paper was tough. But anyway, layers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, how many of us have fabric in our stash that we go, why did I buy this? I'm not going to use it anymore. Um, and I've just started taking those, and I either over dye them or paint over them. 
and just transform them into something else. Again, you're adding a layer of color. You might be adding a layer of texture. I've got a challenge for you two, if you're interested. Why don't we all just give ourselves a short period of time, no more than an hour, and find some fabrics that we've done something to and layer them in a postcard and put them on the show notes. Okay. Sure, I can do that. That would be really fun. So basically transformed fabrics into a postcard. Yeah, yeah. I think that would sure. be really fun and see see what we all come up with because I bet they would all be different. Maybe some of listeners course. would do it along with us and share theirs on social media or something. Cool. That would be fun to see what everybody cool. could do. Oh, that would be cool. Sometimes we all need a little... Um, deadline and a kick in the <laughs> kick in the seat of the pants to get us moving along. Okay. So here's here's you know, this is totally on the fly. I will put a little deadline and I'll even hashtag find a hashtag and I will put it on our show notes along with the three postcards. And if Chad, our uh, our producer wants to do one, it'll be four postcards, but he's giving me a dirty look on Zoom. <laughs> But we'll put these postcards on and uh, just a little challenge to see who's listening and who wants to be um, creative with this. I think that'd be really, really cool. fun. Yeah. Okay. Wheels are turning. Yep, absolutely. Wheels absolutely. are turning. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, Lynn. You've given me so much to think about. I'm going to have, you know, the weekend's coming up. I'm going to have some fun finishing up our challenge here. And um, also, maybe I'm going to rewatch your episode from Quilting Arts TV, just so I remember how you did all those different layering. I know techniques. there was a lot we covered in that episode. So It was. I felt like I was talking so fast. <laughs> but can we also mention the upcoming Quilting Arts magazine article? That's right. That's going to be in our December-January issue, December-January 2020-2021. And um, Lynn is going to be showing how to make a wonderful collage that she uh, she used tap paper, um, embroidery. She did some uh, yep. Photoshop and she did some painting on it. It's it's absolutely beautiful. But she's really talking again about layers and why it's important to think about um, all these things about transparency, translucency, and opacity in uh, when you're layering a piece. Yep, just gives you lots of options. Perfect. Great. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been fun. I love Lynn's work. I've really learned a lot by watching her on Quilting Arts TV and, and seeing what she's done in her studio. It's just amazing. And it was wonderful to be able to kind of pick her brain, too, and learn more about all those materials she uses. So it, it sort of reminded me when she was talking about um, being in a choir. And I know you have sung in your past as well, Susan. And, you know, having a melody line is really fantastic. But when you add in just a little bit of a secondary thing going on, it's always better. Music is so much um, about layering different voices and different sounds and artworks just like that. So. Oh, that's a great way to think about it. I love that. So do you have a quote for us this week, Susan? Of course. I love quotes. Um, this one is by Roger Van Oak. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but I have some of his books. He wrote uh, A Kick in the Seat of the Pants and A Whack on the Side of the Head, and he's a creativity expert. I love those titles. Yeah, yeah. His books and his tools are really terrific for anybody in any creative field. He said, the hallmark of creative people is their mental flexibility. Sometimes they are open and probing. At others, they're playful and off the wall. At still other times, they're critical and fault finding. 
And finally, they're doggedly persistent in striving to reach their goals. Well, isn't that true? We all do persist and we we all keep moving on and moving forward. Thanks so much for sharing this time with me, Susan. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you too. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. And remember, there's lots more information about the things we discussed in this episode, including photos and links on our show notes page. Just follow the link in the description on our website, quiltingdaily.com. If you want to hear episodes as soon as they come out, please subscribe. Just search for Quilting Arts Podcast in whatever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you do, please leave a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you. The Quilting Arts Podcast is a production of Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Vivica Hansen-Denegri, and Susan Brubaker-Knapp. This episode was recorded and edited by Chad Franzen. Sarah Erickson is our web producer, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer. 